it's just funny to see how you've progressed as a musician over the years from I don't know, like this very technical bass player that I used to know to just like now this overwhelmingly well-crafted musician who can just like when you the time you put into making your music, especially um, recording, like I was talking with a friend the other day about this and they're like, why don't you ever like record music? I was like, DAWs are the fucking bane of my existence. And she's like, what's that? I was digital audio workstation. I hate them. I don't like doing anything on the computer with music. No, no, no. The patience required for that is immense. So what you've done the past Oh God, I'd say three years now has just really blown me away with your musical talent. I think I think it's one of those things where it's easier when you have that mindset. And now we can kind of turn this around. Now I can start kissing your ass. <laughs> uh, because I really didn't get into recording my own music uh, until I remember this several years ago. It was well before I started recording. But you did the thing where you took a photo every single day and you posted it on social media. And I remember maybe it was after the third or fourth month. I was like, some of these photos are just, yeah, they're well done. But man, these are just, you took a picture of a toy. Cool. And then I realized it's not about what you're taking photos of. It's the process. It's setting the photo up. It's getting the colors that you want. It's getting the lighting that you want. It's getting the editing that you want. So sometimes it's not about what you're taking a picture of, it's the process of taking that picture. And it's like, again, like eight months into it, I'm like, oh my God, he's so fucking smart. He's just chipping away at the rock. And I've always, I've always said that, you know, it's not, well, there's a ghost in here. Pencil just <laughs> fell, a pencil just fell down. Um, I always say that it was, it's not power that carved the Grand Canyon, it's persistence. And that was kind of how I started to get into recording music. It was like, okay, can I come up with one thing today? Just one riff? And then you kind of realize that that stuff adds on top of itself. So when it comes to recording, once you get a setup that you like, and I'm sure you're the same way with, you know, uh, settings on your, okay, I'm going to do a long distance shot. So here's my starting point or uh, here's a, 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 a micro image and I'm going to, here's my starting point. Mm -hmm. That's how I had to be with my DAW. And then, the fine editing, man, that's what sucks. You're right. Mixing and mastering is bullshit. It'd be like if you did a themed, like, I know that how much you love doing weddings. <laughs> uh, but if you wanted all those, all the colors to match, despite what the sun was doing, despite the shadows, and you wanted all the color to match, that's what mixing and mastering is. Oh, yeah. And so it's just that basic setup. So it's just, yeah, one piece at a time. And that's how I treat everything I do now. That's good. And that all started with you taking a photo of one thing a day. Yeah, I uh, that was six years ago now because I'm getting them in my uh, Facebook memories yeah. showing me six years ago you took this photo. I was like, oh, these, this is photo, you know, 95. And then I remember starting that project and I remember saying, okay, I actually want to get good at photography. This is the one thing that I think I can do because it's it's not solely based on you, but you are kind of like the master in it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm, I've got to, how am I going to actually keep myself doing this to get better? And I just decided, you know what, you're going to do a photo a day for 365 days. And a lot of people told me, so you're taking like 
five or six photos a session and then editing them over. I was like, no, I take a photo a day. So there were a lot of dumb photos in that challenge where it was like, I took a picture of a basketball. <laughs> but um, the fact was, is it was a picture of a basketball. But when I looked at the basketball, I was doing more than just, I was like, okay, how do I get the whole basketball in focus? How do I, in right. the skills that I learned over that time period, really helped push me forward. Yeah. And it also helped me look at like projects differently. And it really opened my mind to like talking to people and stuff because there were times I did in that project where I went and did photos at like a fire station, a um, beer brewery place, a model airplane airport. And like I had to communicate with people, which is a big part of being a photographer that I don't think a lot of photographers really key into right. i mean if they're doing like landscape work and stuff like that you don't really need to be talking to people in fact those photographers are like your i quote unquote call <laughs> them uh, the territorial ones because you get out there on a landscape and if it's a famous landscape you're gonna run into photographers everywhere and oh i got this area right now you know right but like i love photographing everything i don't i don't fit myself into one niche mm -hmm. of photography i i'm so wide and diverse where just yesterday, I took a picture of a um, Hellraiser puzzle box. Yes, I saw the the person holding holding up said puzzle box. Demons yeah. and angels. It, yeah. And then a day before that, I'm taking a picture of a landscape. And a day before that, I'm taking a picture of a per. You know. Mm -hmm. And so, I like to be so diverse with it because it's just fun. It gets you out there experiencing, and that's what that 365 day challenge did. It got me out there. It got me shooting, working, and just developing a craft that was not solely focused yeah. in one thing. And I think you do that with your music, too, because when you record, you go from anything from like this technical thrashy metal to very light, mellow stuff. And I really enjoy that in what you create because it's you're not listening to the same thing over right. and over again. Like, I don't... I. If I was a big time musician nowadays, I could never be in like a black metal band. And right. this is yeah. all we write all the time. And we're all, yeah. you know, I was going to say, when you're talking about that different setup, that's part of why I do the Inktober stuff. So anyone out there who does art knows, you know, Inktober, you're prompted with one thing. I do it a little bit differently because I do music and then uh, I'm trying to avoid tangents. So I have a tangent after this too. Um, but instead of like, ghost and write something ghosty uh i have a spreadsheet and i go to google randomizer and i have 31 different styles of music and i just randomize and it picks a style for me and i have to write that style and there's some styles that i'm very comfortable with and then some styles that like i think it was either this year or last year i had ragtime like i can't write ragtime music but the only way i'm going to know how to do it is if i do it and so very similar in that aspect and i have people like wow that was that one wasn't as good as some of the other ones. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I, I gotta get better somehow. Mm -hmm. And this is the, in my opinion, the best way to do it. Avoiding it's not going to get me any better at it. No, not at all. So. It's just going to keep you in a rut and you'll get really good at the one piece of music you write. One but eventually piece. to me, you burn out on that. I mean, I don't, I'm, I don't speak for everyone, but if I'm just out there shooting landscapes, I get bored of shooting landscapes. Yeah. And I, I'm grateful for the fact that I've, learn to 
shoot many different types of photography to where I can go, I'm going to do some light painting this weekend, or I'm going to go try and find some wildlife or, you know, so that's, that's how I enjoy looking at my aesthetic and craft that I fit myself into with photography. Well, this is why when I said I'm going to avoid a tangent, when we first did a conversation for Keyhole, I was really excited uh, because I thought we were going to be talking about this kind of stuff. And then you started to talk about travel. I'm like, oh, this is not what I was anticipating. Because I like this idea <laughs> that uh, I think we both do art, but it's like on these opposite sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so I always like getting the insight on people who do art that's outside of my domain. And it's not someone like, <laughs> you're not going to tell me how to set up a camera. And I go, oh, yes, that's great inspiration for me for this. This song needs that camera lens. But it's <laughs> but it's always really interesting to me to hear the approach and the, the concept that people use for whatever their craft is. And especially when it's not related to mine, I like the idea of things that are different because I'm sure photography is the same way. A lot of musicianship is a pissing contest. And you get some people who are gatekeepers and you get some people who want everyone to know and share in the information. But I found that there's less gatekeepers when you're talking across style or genre of of art, different mediums. Uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more when you're talking to a musician versus someone who paints versus someone who shoots photos versus someone who um, writes a story. But in photography, I always, I always say I hate photographers <laughs> because you're like, you're like me with dog owners. <laughs> I hate dog owners. And I, I know a lot of very talented photographers who are very open and friendly. And I've also met some just straight up douchebags, but you know, the ones to me that are friendly and they're willing to help however they can and, and just they want to see you grow as an artist. Those are the ones that really turn it into a passion and are passionate about it. I, I find there's two types of photographers. Those who capture and create for the passion of the photo. And then those who capture and create for the likes they're going to get or the attention. And they're, they're two vastly different concepts. And you can tell it in people's work who's doing it for the actual art and who's doing it for the, hey, look at me over here. Right. Because... Like, for instance, in the, it's called the Urbex world, abandoned photography and stuff like that. I don't do a whole bunch of that, but I know people who do. And they run into a lot of the time, people don't like shit to share locations or they get pissy and in pissy and contests over, oh, I, you, you stole my shot that I did two weeks ago. That's like, every, you can take five people into the same abandoned building, give them cameras, and they're all going to, come out with different style stuff right because they're all going to shoot it differently they're all going to edit it differently and come on we're not none of us are going to make it out of here making it super famous or rich off these photos anyway so let's just have fun and create and that's it you know but i get very i get very pissy with when i'm out shooting um especially when it's like in the more photo-esque locations Mm -hmm. because you can tell the people who are because I'm talkative as I'll get out I when I get out there just two weeks ago we were up in Morgan County and we came across a tree full of bald eagles got out thought these photographers were going to be 
assholes, but they were actually super nice. So that was bad on me because I assumed. Mm-hmm. But I've also been to places where you go say, hey, how's it going? And they won't even talk to you. You know, I found this first. I'm shooting this first. It's like, I'm just here to enjoy nature and enjoy the wild. But these people were super nice. They're like, hey, look, we got a scope. You can look through that. We got this, that. And you just have conversations with them. So I love when I come across photographers like that. And it's like 50-50 on who you run into, though. But those ones that just ruin it for me, they just piss me off. Do you find that you're under the same thing in the world of podcasting now that you've gotten into both your keyhole conversations and your habeas corpses? I know this is like a a get rich quick thing for so many people. Like I'm going to make a podcast. I'm going to make it in the world of podcasts. So I'd imagine there's lots of this stuff going on. So in the uh, podcast world with habeas corpses, we did, we started that podcast. That's on like year three and a half, four years. I've been doing that. I remember I started it on a little zoom H six mini yep, thing with like shitty mics. And it was, and now I actually have pretty nice equipment. Um, and I just, I started that pure for the fact of, I like talking horror movies and I just want to talk and record and people can enjoy it. Um, keyhole conversations with the same thing. Um, I actually really gotten like this idea sprung into my head. Cause you know, I listen to Joe Rogan all the time. That's like my go-to podcast. And I did not know that you don't seem like a Joe Rogan. Oh, guy. I listen to like every JRE oh, episode and people hate me for it. There's a I lot of right now. <laughs> people that hate it, but what I liked about his podcast is he has so many different varieties of people on. And I was like, I know so many interesting people who aren't quote unquote famous authors, famous musicians, like prominent figures. And I'm not a prominent figure, but I know all these people that I love, adore, and am interested in them. I want to do this. And I've never got into podcasting realistically to make money because I know it's not going to make me money. Or to even, like, obviously I'm excited when people listen to the episodes and give me feedback and things like that. But honestly, I just love sitting down and talking with people and having these conversations. So I almost make the podcast for myself so I can go back and re-listen to this stuff and be like, I remember that time me and Alex were talking about this or I found this interesting. And I get people here and there that are like, they'll like ask me all these questions about podcasting and I'm. I can tell that they think I make money off of it. And I'm like, I don't. And you're probably not either because everyone in their dog does a podcast. The make make it big and make money off podcast train left the station a long time ago. There are some people who get on and get great shows going and make a lot of money, but it's super hard. I mean, it's probably the number one media outlet right now. I mean, it's bigger than movies. So I just do it for the hell of it. I, I had no idea that's how you got into doing or why you got it. Specifically, I assume keyhole conversations. I did I not. I, I did not get into habeas corpses because of Joel Rogan. Yeah, I was just about to say like, no. Joe Rogan, no. I, I like this. I'm going to talk about horror movies. <laughs> no, I was not listening. To, I was listening to Joe Rogan back then, but I was not like, uh, no, there was no influence there. The whole influence for habeas corpses was, I was just like, well, here's what it was. Okay. So I was doing, um, horror junkies of Utah. You remember that YouTube channel we did? And that 
that ended all good things must come to an end and also <laughs> horror junkies has come to an end too <laughs> yeah, it does I think Eddie's still exactly. trying that. Um, Good but, on him. Uh, you know, I was I was a little, like, missing that, you know? Missing right. just having the conversations with people about horror movies. And I knew I wasn't going to get back to the horror junkies of Utah. That was dead. So I was like, what can I do? What can I come up with? And uh, we were watching, I think it was uh, Making a Murder or whatever that Netflix show, and they were talking about habeas corpsus, the legal term. Right. And I was just like, habeas corpses. <laughs> and I was like, at first I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start a podcast where we talk about horror movie characters and we do legal defenses for them. So the okay. first three episodes in habeas corpses is actually like legal defenses for serial killers and or i mean fictional uh movie killers like leatherface michael myers and then i was like this is too fucking hard <laughs> i just want to sit down and talk horror so that's what got that one going and then um this one was you know i, I had already been into podcasting but i was a little burnt out on talking horror all the time and there's so many other things i'm interested in and i was like i want a podcast that i can cover Anything that I deem is interesting or, um, you know, spur, even spur the moment conversation like this, like random off the wall stuff. But I want to start something where I don't have any rules to really play by. Okay. As long as the conversation remains interesting and I get to talk to all these neat people, you know. So that's how I started this one. And it's, I think... This is going to be the ninth episode. This would be episode 10. I had an episode I had to remove because the lady got in trouble. She was a dispatcher for a 911 communications uh, place here locally. Okay. And they do not like you going on and talking about their place of employment. So we recorded it, released it. A couple days later, she says, can you please remove that or things are going to happen to me? I still have the episode. I've thought about going through and editing it and cutting cutting it up to, but there's no way because we talk so much about yeah. the dispatch center. It would just and it was such a good conversation because I mean they can't sue me. She talks about uh, all the stuff that happened with the rioting in downtown Salt Lake when um, that stuff was all going on, and it was just a really good conversation into what those people that work as dispatchers go through. Mm. And I'm, I'm a little ticked that I had to bring it down, but right. I'm never going to say screw you and put someone's job or career in jeopardy for my podcast, you know? So, you know. All right. so with that one off the table, is there someone that you're aside from me, of course, someone you're looking forward to having a conversation with? Yeah, um, I just without spo you don't have to spoil anything like what you're going to talk about, but anyone down the pipeline that you're like, yeah, this person that here's what they do, almost like a cliffhanger for your next set of episodes. Um, yeah, I have I have a few people that I've reached out to. I'm waiting on responses from a few of them. Uh, one gentleman, um, I don't know how big he's into podcasts, and he hasn't opened up the message yet or read it or anything. But I really want to talk to uh, Kevin that owns a heavy metal shop. He has 
been just through the ringer. Right. And he is super positive still on social media. And I just want to talk to him about how he does that because anyone that's local in Utah knows Kevin owns the heavy metal shop here. If you've ever been in the metal scene and yeah. he, he lost his son and then he lost his wife abruptly and he's just gone through the ringer. So I really want to get him on the episode. I'm actually going to try and get with our old boss and <laughs> talk with him because I want to know how are you still keeping a guitar shop afloat? Um, an awkward conversation. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but yeah, and then I have some uh, other people. I have a detective who um, used to work in sex crimes that I have that's going to come on. And then just I want to do a few more photographers because I find photographers really interesting, especially because a lot of photographers travel a lot. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I like I like people who have traumatic stories because I think that's something that not a lot of people share too often. I don't know if you ever watched Soft White Underbelly on YouTube. Have you ever watched that sh- no. uh, show? That that probably had another influence into me wanting to do this podcast because on Soft White Underbelly, <laughs> Mark he's a photographer who created it and he did product photography forever. So he worked for Apple, Nike, all these places. And was always taking these beautiful product photos to sell companies shit. Right. And he made a ton of money in his career. And one day he kind of woke up and was like, I'm so sick of this bullshit. And so he went and opened a studio up um, on Skid Row. And he does interviews with people on Skid Row. And they are the most interesting interviews I've ever watched. Because these people are just in shit. And... They share their stories and it's just like, if you ever want to feel better about your day, go watch one of those. Cause you know, we all like to think our problems are the worst ever. And granted, I mean, we all do have problems and they affect us. But when you look at the bigger scope of the picture with people, there are people suffering everywhere. And the reason I like doing this one and really getting into people's um, personal lives is in the good and the bad is cause I think nowadays, more than ever, people have just projected all their positivity and other people taking that in forget that people aren't sharing the bullshit of their life either. Like, that's why I started episode one of this um, talking about me uh, coming to the realization that I was an alcoholic. Um, and when I did that episode, I was very leery at first. I was like, what are people going to think of me at my work? What are people going to think of in my personal life? What are people going to think? And I was like, you know what? Fuck them. They're going to think what they're going to think, but there are people out there that are going to look at this and say, oh, wow, this guy that I thought projected all this positivity and, you know, photos and blah, blah, blah. I thought he was perfect. No, I struggled for a long time. And... I do that as well on my uh, Instagram stories. So I do these Instagram stories of this journal that my sister bought me. And it's a thousand things you didn't know about yourself. I don't edit any of them. I just write as I write. I take a picture of it, post it, and people can get what they want out of it. And I've had a lot of people, surprisingly, a lot of people reach out to me more than I ever get on my photography on these stupid fucking uh stories that I post 
of these journal entries or questions, um, people reach out and privately, they don't want their names released or anything, but they say, hey, I feel exactly like that. Or, oh my God, I didn't know you went through that. Or that's so interesting. You think that way. And I mean, I've met recently a really good friend kind of through that, those journal entries, um, which has kind of changed my life in that way. Um, and it's hard sometimes when I write in those. I released one not too long ago talking about one of the worst things I ever done. And the people that read that know something about me that I didn't think I'd ever share with the world. And But I'm fucking human and I make mistakes, you know. And I think when people see that someone's willing to share those mistakes that maybe they will uh, not judge themselves so harshly and think so negatively about themselves. So that's another reason why I do those. So that's where the inspiration comes for this podcast, those stories. And then habeas corpses is just yeah. fun to fuck around on. So that's down the pipeline, right? You're talking about Kevin, uh, some detectives, some local like uh, yeah, local. business mm-hmm. photography folks. Who would you interview in your life that obviously you couldn't now? Maybe they've passed away. Maybe it's someone that you drew inspiration from growing up and uh, maybe they've moved away, passed on. However, I don't want to say morbid because an older person passing away is not necessarily morbid, but someone that you could interview now that's not possible for you to interview. Who would it be? Um, you know... I would love to sit down and interview my grandpa. He was a very key individual into like sharing stories and why I think I love people's stories so much because I would travel um, Nevada, California. He, He and my grandma took me all over the place in the Western United States at least. And this guy drove slow as a fucking snail. It would drive me up the wall. But in retrospect, he drove slow because he was always just getting so into his stories and things. And he had so many interesting ones that I would love to just hear them again and hear them recorded and love for other people to hear them because he had such sound and good advice. And this guy was no by no means perfect. He had his own struggles with addiction um, faithfulness with his partner, you know, things of that nature. And he was flawed, but he was never afraid to admit his flaws. I remember when, uh, he was passing away, he passed away at the age of 83 and they're all in there. And, uh, the doctor's like, well, the cirrhosis of his liver, he's not going to make it. If he wouldn't have drank so hard, he might pull out of this. I'm like, he's 83, leaving the fuck alone. (laughs) I'm surprised he made it this long being an alcoholic, you know? Um, But some of the most interesting individuals I've ever met in my life have come from places where they had struggles with addiction and things of that nature. So he would probably very much be one that I would love to just get inside his brain. And then another one would be a guy that I worked with. His name is Wally. Um, I worked with him for eight years, and he was just such an indiv- interesting individual. He um, he came from New Zealand, New Zealand over here, 
and I had a lot of stories and a lot of good advice. And not, the reason I'd want to interview him is his own words for advice for other people. I took his advice and like have taken it to heart, but for him to be able to share it with other individuals, so probably those two. So that begs the question, what was that piece of advice? Wally? Yeah. You said he gave you a piece of advice and you took it to heart. What was that? You can't just throw that out there and not answer that question. <laughs> His advice was always keep moving forward. Okay. He was, um, he always gave me shit <laughs> at work. He was always like, Marcus, when are you going to grow up and stop just being a damn bus driver? You need to be one of those dudes in the office. I was like, I'm never going to be a dude in the office. He's like, yes, you are. You just... You push forward and you you don't let them tell you no. <laughs> I, I like that he's from New Zealand, but he talks like he's from the South. I don't know. <laughs> I get into weird accents, but and his whole concept of like pushing forward and not taking no for an answer, I really to me that's like, yeah. And I kind of do that with a lot of things in my life. Um, and now I work in the office and not that just being like the the bus drivers not to talk down on them or anything but i do remember a lot of them kind of saying oh they'll hire anyone nowadays and i was like well with what wally's telling me and stuff i'm gonna be your guys's boss one day now here i am i tell them what to do a lot <laughs> so that that was uh i really took that to heart and so i'm always trying to push forward and just better my life um i hate being stuck in a rut that being stuck in a rut to me drives me crazy. I'm always someone who's trying to look for new adventure, new conversation. And I hate, absolutely hate, and especially lately, surface level conversation. <laughs> that shit drives me nuts. Um, the other yeah. day, one of my coworkers asked me how I was doing. I said, I'm not doing good at all. And it caught him so off guard. And he was like, like, my favorite answer. I'm, I'm there, right there with you. <laughs> he was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, man, I just came off the bus. The kids were assholes today. I've been struggling with this and kind of just went into it. And he listened. He was like, wow. I was like, yeah, so it hasn't been the best day. Because the go-to answer for everyone is, I'm fine. Right. I'm okay. And that's like stupid. Yeah, Tell I me agree. how you actually are. Uh, I remember when I started telling people I was cripplingly depressed. And this was... About a year and a half ago, I had just gone through a breakup with somebody. And so then I was out in Nebraska by myself. How are you doing? I'm crippling depressed. How are you? Oh, I'm good. And that's when you know, do they really want to hear or are they just making small talk? So I'm right there with you. Same wavelength. I, I like how you just pointed that out because I never thought about it that way. Um, that's where you figure out, do they really want to hear or not? Because you're right. The ones that want to hear will instantly key in and care about you and the other ones will be like try and get out of it any way they can right. and i'm fine with that too i'm, I'm happy to give people an out hey oh, yeah. if you just wanted to say hey what's up i i get it i'm i'm not here to spill my guts to you uh so you'd mentioned keep going right that's the advice you got so this is segues great to my next question for you when it comes to photography what's What's the next step you have to take to get to where you ultimately want to be? And we'll do podcasting after that, but one thing at a time. Uh, and I'm not necessarily saying your big overall goal, but what's the next step into getting to wherever it is for that ultimate, where you feel like you want to be? Well, so with photography, I have 
I'm never going to say I've mastered any concept of it, but I've gotten pretty good at being able to take pictures of multiple different mediums from buildings to landscapes, landscapes to people, people to nature. Um, I've done okay with, uh, selling prints and stuff you know i sell prints here and there which is cool i would love to actually get in my ultimate goal would be to open up a local studio here in utah uh, a gallery let's say for um, photographers who aren't up in the park city realm era of photographers who aren't loaded with money because I think there are plenty of good photographers and artists around that just can't get into those galleries. That that would be one of my main goals is not only to get my work on display for more people to see, but other people who I admire's work on in display for people to see and purchase. Um, to get out of my own head with photography, I need to learn to do that. What do you mean by that? I have a very bad way of judging myself and thinking my photography is not good. Um, I will, I will definitely compare my like ratio to other people's like ratios, like on Instagram, Vero, Facebook, stuff like that, where I'm like, Oh fuck, man. I thought this photo was good. It got 20 likes, you know? Um, so I need to get out of my way with that. And I've been doing better Last year around this time, I told myself, you're not taking photos for anyone but yourself. And people will either enjoy them or they won't. But you're not taking photos for those likes anymore or the exposure, quote unquote. Um, the best thing to get paid in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and I I came to a realization, too, on one of my last episodes. I was talking with this uh, photographer out of Ohio that I really admire. He's a urbex photographer. He does amazing shots and stuff. He's got like 12,000 followers on Instagram. His photos always get like six, 700, 800 likes. And I said, have you ever made any money with your photography? And he said, no. And then me, I'm like, I don't get that many likes or anything, but I've sold over a hundred prints easily. And so that makes me feel good because my art's hanging in people's homes. So that's an accomplishment to me. Not saying that he's not accomplished because he doesn't have art hanging in people's homes. It's just the way I look at it. Like, oh, I'm only successful if I get these likes or something when I'm not appreciating the fact that I've actually sold quite a few prints. I've been published in two magazines now. I'm on Magnum Main Street from Salt Lake County reached out to me to do stuff. Um, I've been on a billboard over Salt Lake City. I've been... You know, my stuff has gone places. It's been shared by uh, Paramount and because they did that whole It competition. And then uh, Halloween, I got sh I got some traction there. So, but to get out of my own way thinking that like, oh, it's all about the likes and that stuff. That's one thing I need to get over. But I think my main goal is to next the two biggest things I would like to do is open up a gallery for my art and other artists who are like-minded, who are humble photographers. I always try to stay humble and real with people. Um, get out of my own way. Travel more. I'm definitely in this travel mode now. I don't want to, like, I just, I want to go, go, go. And finally, I want to create a book. 
Um, I know a lot of people create books, photo, photograph books, but I one thing I do with my photography that I don't see a lot of people doing is I write with my photography. Um, I use a lot of inspirational quotes that I find, or I'll just like write a story with the photo. And I've had a lot of people um, reach out to me and say, man, you really made me think about my own life with that photo and that story. And I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, so you going to write a book sometime? And a couple people have been putting that into my mind. I'm like, you know, like a little coffee table book with my stories or quotes would be doable. And that's something I could do. So I could see that coming in the future. But yeah, it, if you want my biggest goal though. Sure. I is, mean, you more than answered what I was expecting, but yeah, what's your biggest goal? That's a good question. To continue inspiring people. Okay. That's well, it. you're doing that. So, <laughs> but on a, on a, oh, okay, go ahead. No, you've, I've told you, you've inspired oh, me. You continue yeah. to. So you're already doing that. So you've already achieved your ultimate biggest goal. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I try. Um, like I said, uh, God, you know, I started doing this thing in my bus. I'm taking five by sevens and putting them on magnets and I've, started hanging them on the ceiling of my bus. And so now my kids are asking questions about how I took this photo or where this place is. And that's been really nice because I can see the inspiring spark in them, not necessarily to pick up a camera and go take photos, but to explore the world more. They're asking, where's this place? What's this? I've never seen this before. And people don't realize how big of a world there is to explore just in your own backyard. I mean, just get out. We get in this rut of going to work, from work, to work, from work, take the same route, do the same bullshit every morning, every afternoon. Just get out there and take a different route home one day or go somewhere off the beaten path and you'll see things that will surprise you. You know, so that's been nice to see their reactions to that. Interesting. So this, there's no segue here. The last one had a really good segue. This one doesn't. Um, so one of my favorite things to ask my friends about who have a lot of creative hobbies, whether it's music, photography, painting, singing, you name it. Is there anything And this? We can tie podcasting into this because my guess is there might be more here with podcasting, but we'll do both. Is there anything that you feel you won't touch is off limits for you that you feel not necessarily that people shouldn't talk about maybe, but maybe you're like, yeah, that's, uh, and, when I do a podcast, we're not going to talk about this. When I do photos outside of wedding photos, I'm not going to photograph this. I feel like this is just not okay or uh, I'm not going to do it for some other reason. So taboo, not just because it's not okay, but maybe you feel it's fruitless. There's no use to it. And if you need more explanation on why I'm asking that, I'm happy to. Um, so for podcasting, like, is there ever a conversation I would not want to have sure. on this and, show? And of course you, you mentioned one that was more for legal kind of reasons or work reasons, but there's like a, a person where you're like, this person has this kind of job. I'm not going to approach them and ask them about it. No, I don't think anything's off the table with podcasting and conversations I get into because I, number one, I hate, like, I hate self-censoring and I hate censoring. I think everything has its due on the table. Obviously I don't want to bring on like some racist piece of shit or something and give them a mic and say, have at it. Um, but I would like to get in their heads 
and ask them what the fuck why do you think this way um so i guess i wouldn't say i would never have someone like that on the show i wouldn't at all believe in their qualities but it would be in interesting to kind of see why they believe that way but there are other podcasts that do that like like i uh, mentioned earlier that soft bite underbelly he interviews anyone under the sun from pedophiles to um racists to drug addicts at all of it and you just get this whole wide human condition i guess you could call it um but me i don't see any topic being uh not touched what i won't do though is ever push someone to tell me something they don't want to tell on air or if they do come and agree to do one and then later down the road they need it taken down for a specific reason i'll never give them backlash on that because you know i'm not that type of person to bury someone for my gain you know like like i said i really enjoyed that uh, conversation we had about the dispatch center and then she just reached out and said please someone at work heard it blah 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 it's gone up to the upper brass they want it gone or i'm gonna get i was like not a not a big deal i'll get rid of it um photography wise I don't shoot weddings anymore. You know that. I, in fact, I've made a new rule for myself and I'm trying to obey this rule. I don't shoot for money. I do not do jobs anymore. Anyone out there that comes out and asks me how much to take a picture of your fucking dog, go hire someone else. I don't do that shit. I will work for people and don't expect money like you. You asked me, can you do this? We collaborated. Bam. Cool. Get a creative spark going. I'm not doing family portraits. I'm not doing weddings. I'm not doing pet portraits. I'm not doing any of that crap anymore. And people ask me a lot of the time, why don't you get into those sides of photography and make money? I'm like, I have. I've done real estate photography. I've done weddings. I've done plenty of family portraits to, you know, I've made money that way it drains the joy of photography from me because now I just took a weekend and put it on this where I could be shooting stuff that inspires me. So I'm doing this and I don't need money from photography. That's what my day job's for. Photography is my passion. It's, it's not a hobby to me. It's, it's like my life now. It's that passionate to where I'm not wasting my time taking pictures of your fucking house to put it on Zillow, hire someone else. (laughs) So that's my attitude towards that stuff. So, so like the reason I asked that, so I work in education, I'm a college professor, and when it comes to lectures, I'll talk about anything under the sun, because I will not talk about politics, and I won't talk about religion. And that's not because I think they're off, like, oh, you said Jesus in a lecture, oh no. It's because I'm not going to change people's minds, I'm either going to get them to agree with me or hate me vehemently. And so there's, like, no reason to bash or drive home my political opinions, because I'm just going to make enemies that way. And um, it just defeats the purpose of what I'm trying to do. And so that's why I ask that. I'm always, always curious if there's anything that you're like, nope, won't. Sorry. But I, I knew weddings was that. So I didn't want to just say like bullshit dealing with people and their garbage nonsense. Yeah. Well, and photography is getting to the point of everyone is a photographer. And I say this in a good way and a bad way. Everyone has the potential to be a photographer. It, uh, everyone's holding a camera in their hand 
these cell phone cameras are better than uh, DSLRs of 15 years ago that actual photographers were shooting with. You know, they capture amazing quality images. They can capture HDR. They can capture long exposures now on some of these. Some of them can create like depth of field, not in a great way, but they can AI create it. But there's in that caveat, there's so many people with this that it makes photography hard to make money with because you're also competing with everyone under the sun and their prices. And my example is, I don't shoot weddings anymore. Um, I had a coworker come to me and they said, my cousin isn't happy with her wedding photos. I'm like, okay, why? She says they turned out like shit. Okay. First question I asked, how much did your cousin pay for the wedding photographer? 200 bucks. I could have told you that was going to come out like shit by the fucking price. (laughs) $200 for a wedding. It should be $2,500 for the wedding. I don't care. Oh, that's a lot. No, it's not. You're paying for experience, time on the uh, wedding location, a ton of time behind a computer, their equipment, $2,500 is worth it. Anything under a thousand, you're going to get trash because those people, for a lack of the better term, they don't know what they're doing. Right. And then, and when you said that you're paying for all that stuff, you're also paying not just for the time that they put in taking photos, getting set up and editing, but all the time. Before that, the months, the years of practice and training, you're also paying for that as well. Yeah. And and I'm not bashing those photographers that are charging under a thousand. They're trying to get their foot in the door and they're trying to learn. And that's fine. But when you hire a novice photographer, realize you're going to get novice quality work. And so they bring me this flash drive that they want me and I'm going to try and help them. I'm not doing it for free, but I'm going to try and fix some of these mistakes. And I'm looking at these photos and I'm like, yeah, this was a brand new photographer or they gravely fucked you guys over one of the two, but the exposures are all off. The focus is all off. There's a lot of stuff wrong with these photos, but you guys paid $200 for it. This person probably didn't know what they were doing. They probably almost felt pressured to do it. Cause you went and asked how much will you do my photos for me, aunt Jean or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, Oh, I don't know. 200 bucks. It'll come. And then the other thing with everyone's a photographer, especially at events and things like that, weddings, you're fighting with every damn family member around there that's got a cell phone trying to get a picture of the bride walking down the aisle when you're there and they paid you 2,500 bucks to be there. It's like, get the fuck out of my way. And then they get mad at you. So I, you know, I've done six weddings now, I believe. And after my sixth one, I was done. And I'm nowhere near a wedding photographer. I'm not charging that $2,500 price either. You're charging 200 and having someone else fix your photos. No, I'm not charging that either. There's no way in hell. But um, the reason the wedding photographers are charging that much money is because they that is their craft. That's what they do. Right. So if you want your photos to look magazine-esque, I'm not going to make them look as good as the wedding photographers, but I'm not going to be the novice either. I'm in the middle. I'm the middle ground guy. And I kind of already say that with all my photography. I'm an expert at none of it, but I'm pretty good at all of it. Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, exactly. And, but like I said, you know, to be a photographer, you have a phone in your hand, go out there and just practice shooting composition, shit like that. So many people get into gear too. Like, I'm like, (laughs) oh my God. 
And I, I am, I, hey, I'm a gearhead. I am. I will admit it. I just recently spent like five grand on lenses. Like three lenses costed me five grand. So I'm not going to say I'm not a gearhead, but I've been shooting for almost 10 years. So, you know, there's a difference between that. You get people that will go out and buy the most expensive camera and lens and think they're going to take good shots with that shit. It's like, that's not how it works, buddy. I can put you behind the wheel of a Ferrari that you've never driven before. And you're probably going to crash the son of a bitch. It's a really nice, powerful car, but you don't know how to handle it. Right. You know? So that's what I deem as like gearheads. Cause I think people, I know amazing photographers that are shooting with no more than like a Nikon D 3100 that I started out on and then gave to you for relatively cheap way back in the day. And it's like, you can take good photos with every, anything really. Cause there's more to it than pixels and all this. There's, there's that art quality that you just find in being that person. So with that, aside from go out and do it, because I think we can agree with almost any hobby, music, podcasting, photography, just do it is obviously the ultimate response. But let's say someone has a camera, not just a cell phone camera, but they have a decent, even entry-level camera. What kind of things do you recommend a person do to get started taking photos aside from just fucking go do it. Because I, I think that's the ultimate answer. But that's always, well, where do I start then? What do I do? If someone came up to you and asked you how to get started in photography, aside from obviously go do it, what's you, what do you think? What's a good way to get started in the craft? Um, first off, you I would highly recommend uh, finding a mentor. Um, I had a mentor for myself when I first started that taught me nothing about a camera and taught me everything about how to see the world. Um, he's still alive. His name's Eric Popke. He shot, uh, film four by fives and stuff. Um, has amazing shots. Doesn't have an Instagram, doesn't have any of this exposure or anything, but has these amazing, beautiful pieces that he's sold and had published and all this. And he taught me how to see the world. Um, so I think finding a mentor that has done photography before or, I mean, obviously has done photography before is important because someone you can go to and ask questions of because YouTube's nice, articles are nice, things like that. And you can ask questions in the comments and stuff and get good responses but it's always nice just talking to a real person that values you as an individual and wants to see you succeed. Uh, also, find people who are interested in the photography like that you're interested in and team up with those individuals. I always found when I was learning music, I did better when I was jamming with someone um, than I was doing alone because it just the fun aspect came into it. Um, not saying that doing photography on your own or playing alone isn't fun in itself, but it also, it just creates another element and you bounce ideas off of each other and you learn things. So I think always having someone or multiple people that are learning alongside you, um, can make it fun. And I don't want to say just 
get out there and do it because I know that that is the the bad example. Get out in the world and see. I always I always tell this to people. Um, I don't. I try not to do what's called spray and pray when I do photography. Um, I'll, I'll generally come back with a, an amount of pictures on my memory card that are far lower than the average person would um, because I take more time just looking. Uh, one of my friends, um, we were in Chesterfield, Idaho, and she was asking why I was using a tripod when I could just handhold. It was daylight. There was really no need for a tripod. I was like, because a tripod makes me think about the scene a little bit more. I have to extend the legs. I have to move it up and down. It makes me analyze the scene more and actually look. Whereas just handholding, I find I spray and pray more. So get out there and be patient. And no matter what, this is going to sound corny. The best picture is the one you take with your eyes and store in your mind. By far. I have memories in my brain of sunsets and things that I never caught on camera that are just to this day like emotional breakthrough moments. I think some of us get too caught up in not enjoying that moment out there doing photography and just trying to get the shot, trying to get the shot. It's like just sit, fuck the shot. You can come back next time. Just enjoy it. So So the reason I did this weird movement is one of the best things I... I don't know if I'd call it advice, but one of the best things I ever heard at a show is I went on a date to see City in Color. There's like an acoustic guy and very popular. So everyone's like got their phones out. And one of the things he said for one song, just want you to put your phones away. I get it. Hi, this is great. But put your phones away. Just this one song. Just the one song. Because I don't want you to work so hard trying to remember this that you forget to experience it. And that has been something like, we're talking, I heard him say this well over 10 years ago. And it's something that stuck with me for a really long time. And so I definitely, when you say that, I totally get like, you're working so hard to get the perfect photo and make sure everything looks perfect to capture that shot that you forget to experience where you're taking that shot. To take that in knowing that that's the bigger picture. You're going for one moment rather than the entire event. So I really like that comparison. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's so important. It's just to enjoy that moment you're in. Another thing I've uh, found that I actually like doing, um, I've been going and doing photography lately with this individual. I like watching them shoot and me not shooting at all. Just to see how they capture the world. It's so interesting to see someone else like practicing the same craft that you do in a little bit of a different way and then seeing later that image you're watching them capture get posted you're like i was there i watched you put that whole thing together that's really enjoyable and you learn from people watching them work if you actually sit and watch them work you'll learn i'm and i mean i'm sure that's the same with uh, musicians other people other crafts you know i mean look at boxing or anything or fighting you analyze how people move around so i think sometimes just going out and watching someone else do it and not worrying about capturing a damn picture yourself can teach you a lot so yeah i mean photography i know we've kind of turned this into a lot about photography but it literally like i tell everyone 
it's not a hobby. It's it's my life and passion now. This was this is like the reverse keyhole conversation and naturally segued into that, which I really <laughs> liked. And I, I feel and and you can one hundred percent welcome to correct me if I'm reading this the wrong way, but it definitely feels like you have a much stronger passion for photography than something like podcasting. I feel I even when even talking to you, but even seeing you online, that this is and I know you say hobby. I would say it's a hobby, but it, I view hobbies as what I do with my free time. My hobbies are my free time. And like you said, you're not getting paid for it. Same with music. I'm not getting paid for music. This is a hobby. This is though my free time. I don't separate the two. They, they are one uh, one in the same. And so that's kind of why I, I love hearing you talk about photography. Because again, it's an art that, I mean, when you talk about amateur, like that's, I haven't taken an actual photo in a long time. And it kind of leads me to one of the last questions that I had for you. Because I have this. This is how I, I tried to get into drawing. Couldn't get into drawing, couldn't get into photography, but I find myself when I'm at the gym, lifting weights, grappling, whatever it is, I get music ideas that come to my head and I will go to my phone and I will like record mouth versions of them because drawing or photography never got me that way. I was never at the gym thinking, Let's just imagine going up to Mirror Lake and taking this beautiful photo. I can see the composition from here. But with music, it's the total opposite. So I was wondering how that works with photography. Do you get stuff like that where you seemingly just get overwhelmed with inspiration for a photo seemingly out of nowhere? And then if so, how do you handle that? What do you do? How do you get those ideas from here in your head to something more tangible? Yeah, um, those are the ones that really get into my head are more uh, of my horror-based photography that I do and conceptual-based photography that I'll shoot. Um, those are the ones that really um, will get stuck as an idea in my head and then I got to work them out. So, for instance, um, like my landscapes, my uh, wildlife, my people portraits, that stuff, that never creeps into my mind. What creeps into my mind are my, like, I quote unquote, nightmare images, I guess. Okay. Um, so I, I did one not too long ago. I have this reoccurring nightmare that, or n not necessarily a nightmare. I'll have reoccurring dreams where the dream's different, but there's a reoccurring figure. That's what I'm trying to say this shadow figure that will show up in in dreams and nightmares and it's always there it's always present i don't know what the fuck it is it's something with my subconscious i would guess trying to communicate with me but when it gets near it's very uncomfortable and i don't like it and so i was in fact i was at the gym on a treadmill running and a song came on and it reminded me of this image, I can't even remember what song it was, of this entity in my brain, some metal song. Um, I was like, how do I create this? I need I need to get this out on, on medium, you know? I need to get this. And so I worked it in my brain of where would I go? How am I going to make it? And it's it slowly came to fruition, and I went out and shot the shot and got it. 
and the funny thing is that ever since I shot the shot and made this thing and explained what it was, it hasn't come back to my dream. <laughs> now he's not there anymore, this shadow man figure. Um, and then another one I used to, I don't do them very much anymore, but I used to have like ideas and stories run in my mind because I've, I've always had a really vivid imagination and I always make up like stories and things and every once in a while I'll write them down in like a semi quasi novel format or something. Um, but I used to do like themes like we did that clown photo shoot. You remember that? Yeah. That was an idea that I had pop in my mind of a clown waiting around for a bus <laughs> to come pick him up. Okay. Or I did the Valentine's Day lovers massacre thing that I turned into a photo story per se. Um, so, yeah, th- when it comes to ideas that won't leave my mind, first, the idea has to not leave my mind. It has to be coming back again and again for me to say, okay, I got to make this. Like I got one in my head right now that I've currently been thinking of, of your world's on fire. So it's... So you're just going to start the entire planet on fire? I'm going to try. But my my idea is me, especially lately, I feel like my world's on fire. I am very... uh, I know what I want out of life, but then I'm very confused at the same time. Um, So I have this every day, this feeling that like my world's just kind of burning a little bit. Like, God damn, I need to put this shit out and fucking figure my stuff out. So I have this idea that I'm going to make, I'm going to get a globe, hold the globe, put the globe on fire as I'm walking and (laughs) probably do it out in the west desert or something where i don't know everything can catch on fire well in in an area where it's sandy and nothing around that's gonna burn (laughs) so probably a salt flask (laughs) so i have one last question i had a whole notebook of questions for marcus um and this is a good one to close on because you talked about big idea projects at least close on for me i mean if you have any questions of course that's why i'm here so one of my favorite things to ask when i go to cons and i meet people is and i'm now going to ask this to you What's one project that you wish more people asked you about that you wished you got to talk more about or maybe more of the behind the scenes? Uh, the story for this was I met Tom Kenny. He's the voice actor for SpongeBob, does a bunch of other voices. And I'm a big sketch comedy fan. And he wrote for an old show called Mr. Show with Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. And I asked him about that. And he just lit up. Because at cons, everyone's asking about SpongeBob or Adventure Time. He said, no one ever asked me about Mr. Show. And people were getting upset because he and I talked so long about sketch comedy. And he was just so happy because no one asks him about Mr. Show. Everyone asks him about his cartoon work or his uh, other silly voice stuff that he does. He does like superhero shows. So what's one relatively decent sized photo shoot, or it could be an individual photo, that you wish more people asked you about this kind of gives you a chance to gush about something that kind of flies under people's radar that you've worked on. Not saying that it's like, Oh, this needs more respect, but no, that you feel like, Oh man, I I wanted to talk about the behind the scenes for this for so long. Thank you for asking. You know, God, that's a tough one. Cause I, I shot so many images over the years to go back and think about one one project I did that was really interesting was I did these um, I did these posters 
for mental health awareness. I don't know if you ever remember yep, those. I do. Um, they didn't get the response I thought was going to come from it. Um, they, they more or so kind of just fell flat. And the reason I created those was I wanted people to know that there are people within their communities that suffer from mental health disease. Everybody in those photos suffered from the illness that they were predicted. They was projected as that poster type. I didn't grab models and say, here you go. It was no, this person suffered and they wrote their own column that went in the description about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I spent a lot of time putting that together, finding people that were one willing to write a column about their experience to be photographed with it. And three, let me share it. And like I said, it kind of fell flat. And I was like, man, I thought this was going to actually elicit conversation below in the comments between people asking questions or, Hey, I suffered from that, blah, blah, blah. And it didn't. And it, that one kind of like irked me. I was like, damn, man, I thought I was going to get some, but it didn't go anywhere. But the thing I liked about that is I learned a lot about those individuals that suffered from these uh, illnesses and rightfully so I, I got to express me in my own illnesses because I suffer from anxiety and depression and sometimes I think I got a little ADHD I don't know but I'm not diagnosed but sometimes I could see that um, so that's one that I wish people would have asked about more not necessarily how I made it but just realized because I, I don't think a lot of people realize that those people that I took those photos of were actual sufferers they weren't models like one of them was my uh, next door neighbor's kid like you know and I interviewed him and his mom and took the picture and that one was of ADHD um, another uh, project I did was um, I did a week of underappreciated workers and I went out and photographed a bunch of people um, that were I deemed underappreciated in society and kind of got their stories and shared their photos and that one didn't go much of anywhere. Um, here's one. I haven't done, done these in a long time, but I love photographing homeless people. It sounds odd and morbid and weird, but I love capturing and it's, it's kind of dangerous getting out there and doing that shit. And I haven't done it in a while. Um, but a lot of the people that I've photographed that are homeless are on the streets. I've also sat and talked with. And because um, I think a lot of people just like to say, oh, almost piece of shit person. And granted, there are those people out there that are just gaming the system. And there are people out there that they just don't fit the home lifestyle. They want to be homeless. But then there are people out there that are down on their luck. I tell everyone, you're not far away yourself from being homeless. It could happen to you. You never know. And when I share those photos and stories and things, I never get really a big reaction. Um, I always wonder why. But maybe it's just I'm always diving into the deep, dark places of society with my own mind and trying to figure out how people are doing that's or down on their luck, you know. I would much rather take a picture of someone without makeup on in their real form, their raw flesh than some pampered ass model and Photoshop to fucking hell 
I like real and raw. I don't like fake and glamorized. And I think people lose the appreciation for true beauty, especially like in themselves. You know, we compare ourselves to these fucking Instagram filters and shit. Like I never, cause I'll do self portraits of me all the time. I, I probably do them too damn much, <laughs> but I don't edit anything on me. I don't edit my wrinkles out. I don't, I don't do shit. I usually do them in just black and white because I think black and white really personifies uh, the soul. And um, I try and do pictures of people who are just who they are. I like to capture people who they are. You know, I hate the, oh, let me get all my makeup on and blah, blah. Like that shit don't make you beautiful. I mean, you're beautiful as you are. You know, so I guess that's it. There's my little soapbox. <laughs> well, Marcus, I don't have any other questions for this reverse keyhole. In fact, this actually went far more smooth as anticipating. He set a very high standard for the uh, asking questions thing. I do? Yeah. What do you mean? You're very engaging with your questions. And I came in with this. Thing I got, I went to a funeral today with my, I got a notebook from theirs. So and I'm like, what notes did I have? Oh, no. Let me quickly jot them down. I just, dude, lately I've been thinking a lot about life. Um, I've been, I suffer from seasonal depression, one thing. So I get really bad seasonal adaptive disorder. Seasonal affective disorder. Or whatever. It's sad. Sad. The most... <laughs> Side side tangent. So I work in the field of psychology. It's the most unfortunately named disorder <laughs> because it sounds made up. <laughs> what do you have? I have sad. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Does, uh, the it? office does a joke about that where Dwight says that sounds so made up. And the answer is, oh, it's very unfortunate that it's called sad. Right. Because it leads people to not take it seriously. So, yes, it's a very I have it, too. Uh, I've also like I have a lot of horrible stuff happened around the beginning of the year and so that doesn't help so it's always been like a miserable time sorry go ahead oh no i was just gonna say so i i have that and i've been battling that for years and getting sober the first time around i mean not the first i i haven't broke my sobriety or anything but when i went through my first bout of the winter blues um, without alcohol, it was hard, man. It was rough because I had nothing to numb that with. So now I've had to find other ways to put it at bay. And one of those has, I don't know, people have probably noticed that my photography has gotten exponentially more uh, off the wall now that I'm sober because I'm out doing more because that's how I cope with my depression is keeping my mind busy. They say like idle hands are the devil's playground. Well, and it's pretty awesome. So yeah, I don't mind that, but, um, an, <laughs> an, idle, an idle brain is, uh, an open door for just the storm cloud to roll in and not roll back out. So, uh, with that, with photography and then this realization that I just want to be real with people. I'm so over sugarcoating, the world and so over 
masking and hiding my emotions, even though I still do it pretty well. I try not to. I try to go deep with people and try to just be as honest and upfront with them as I possibly can. Uh, and, and for some people that hits them the wrong way, like at work, I gotten some pushback from people saying, what happened? You're more kind of more ornery now. You're not, you're not as fun. You're not as, not as drunk. Yeah. Well, this is what I tell them. I tell them because when I was drinking, I would put up with your bullshit because all I had to do is make it to the end of the day, get home. I could crack a beer, sit down and just deal with it then. I can't come home and do that now. Now I have to just deal with it now because I don't want to fucking sit on this bullshit all day and think about it. So if I you say something I don't like or you do something I don't like or vice versa, let's just deal with it and handle it now. None of this passive aggressive bullshit, blah, blah, blah. We're all fine with each other. And I think a lot of that needs to happen more in conversation. That's why I don't play this holding off things and stuff. And that's why I try and just give people straight, honest answers. And and I'm a deep person. I'm a deep individual. That That's not meant to sound like egotistical or anything like that. Like, listen to me. I just, I know the depth that my, <laughs> my emotions run. And I know that... It's okay to let people see that. So I guess uh, I couldn't thank you more for interviewing me. It's it's a lot. Uh, How the I, turntables have turned. Yeah, I, I always get a little <laughs> bit of me out, but it's more the other person when I'm sitting down with them, talking with them. And I, that's one reason I really love my job currently. Everyone's like, you love being a bus driver trainer guy? And I'm like, well, that's okay. I love meeting new people and talking to them, though, because... We talked about this last time we were kind of on is, you know, you can only train them so much before you just got to start watching how they drive and then trying to distract them a little bit with conversation to see how they do. So learning all these vast things about people is just amazing. There's so many wonderful, amazing people with all these crazy stories that aren't famous or well-known that just people don't even figure out because they don't fucking ask the right questions. They ask surface level bullshit. You know, I, I figured out so much about people, not even on this podcast, just from people in my life that, cause I ask serious questions, you know, not serious questions, but deep questions. I, I want to know about people. So that's what I'm doing with my life or trying to with photography and podcasting and trying to understand this world. Um, the other day I was conversing with a friend and we were talking about the age of souls and we're like, what do you think you are? Are you an old soul, a young soul? And the answer that most people I find like to say is, oh yeah, I'm an old soul. You're not. (laughs) You don't got shit figured out. You're not an old soul yet. I like to think that I'm early middle-aged soul. (laughs) And I still have so much to figure out. And if reincarnation or any of that's real, you know, this is still a youthful experience and that's why I love asking so many questions. So there you go. That's it. <laughs> Anything you want to share with us, Alex? No, I'm, I'm good. Um, I must say you have been one of those friends in my life. I was talking to someone not too long ago about friendships and how so many friends 
have come in and out of my life over the years and rarely do they all stay, but you've been a pretty true constant one since I was fucking like 13 years old. You've always supported everything I've done. You've always been there to support my music, my photography, my podcasts, my interest, everything. So I can't thank you enough for that because a lot of those friends are gone that have quote unquote did that shit. You know, I was talking about it and I was like, you know, I lost a ton of friends when I got divorced that just picked sides. Like whose side we're going to be on that I thought were my friends and ended up going to the wife's side when I'm like, there are no sides. We just didn't work out. What the fuck? But you, you've been a constant friend. And that's why anytime you reach out to me uh, for help, I'm always, always, always willing to do it free of charge because you're always the same. I ask you for things and you always give it to me. And I think that it's important to keep some sort of friendship strong throughout your whole life. And you would have been, you're still one of those for me. So thank you. Well, thank you as well. And I can tell you why that is because this is something I think about. I've known my longest friend since I was 11 months old. I have photos of him and I before my first birthday. And it's because a lot of my friends get old, but they don't grow up. And that's the kind of people I don't need in my life. I don't need people who don't have goals or ambitions. And to me, that's one of the things that separates. Uh, You're always trying to learn new things. You're not repeating the same things. You know, being in music, photography may be the same way. I can't speak for for photography. But we, even you and I, have mutual friends slash acquaintances who do a band for two years and that band goes through some sort of hardship, whatever, and then they restart. They're doing the same thing. Nothing changes, just the different pieces of the same puzzle. Mm-hmm. And they're not trying to get better. They're not trying to expand. They're just repeating those steps over and over again, thinking that's what's going to make them successful. And they're so busy chasing success that they don't care about fulfillment. And that's one of the things I've always liked about you is you're always trying to get better But for you, and I'm sure this podcast has outlined, you are out there chasing happiness. You are not out there chasing the next big break. And I think that's one of the things that separates you from a lot of people that I know. It's you're not getting in these repetitive cycles. You're very honest with yourself before anything else. And you're out there chasing enjoyment and fulfillment, not chasing the next bag that might come your way. Because, I mean, I think something you and I both realized a very long time ago is our respective hobbies are not going to make us rich. Uh, I don't, I'm sure you might know some people in photography. I know two people who I personally know who've made it big in the music industry. One guy is writing music that he loves. He's really good at it. It started off kind of rocky, but now he writes music and loves it. The other guy's just playing drums in a butt rock band and he tours the world. And now it's just something that he does to fill the gaps of taking photos. And that, again, I don't know about how it works in photography, but in music, it's so rare to even approach that, that at an early age, I realized this is just going to be for fun. I do this for myself, then for my friends, then for anything that might come after that. 
And I feel like you're that same way. You're very grounded with big ambitions. You don't have like, oh yeah, I'm going to go down to Southern Utah and make so much money doing landscapes. Or you have a big trip planned here where you're going to go to this trip across the country. I'm going to take a picture here and these are going to get published in every magazine. You're doing it because you want to improve your hobbies. Yeah. That's something that I always admired because it's something that I've always felt. And in a lot of my friends that do hobbies for the same reason, they do these uh, band projects. They do editing. I have a friend who does photography. He does a YouTube page. He maybe gets a, a thousand views if that, but he just posted a bunch of photos from Greenland. He planned a trip to Greenland just to take photos. He's not big and famous. He just does it to do it. And it's that same kind of, Grounded with big ambitions. Mm-hmm. That's something I've always admired. Well, I couldn't agree more, man. I think that uh, I think it's my my biggest life goal is to be happy, humble, and humorous. Is that your live, laugh, love? Yep, <laughs> it is. I made it not too long ago. I was thinking about it. <laughs> You're going to get that in vinyl scroll work printed on your walls? Happy, humble, and humorous. I was going to say the opposite side of, of that are the people that just burned out and they have no goals or ambitions. I don't have friends who have ambitions to get rich and famous than friends who their ambition is to make it through the week paycheck to paycheck and have no personal life, no hobbies, no, yes. no nothing. So that's the other side of that. That's the dreary, depressing side. I couldn't agree more. People who don't see any light at the end of the tunnel and that are just stuck in a rut and don't do anything to get out of it because there's a way you got to have willpower. Willpower is so such a hard thing to build, but such a necessity. Yes. So I, I have friends who will say things like, how do you stick to a schedule? And I say, persistence. You have to work on it. Well, how would I do it? You have to work at it. It's a skill. Okay, so you just, just try it? Yeah. And be persistent. Oh, so it's just that easy. No, it's... It's not that easy. Uh, Bojack Horseman, like one of my, I love that show. And one of the lines that really resonates with me is uh, when he says, getting up and running is about exercise, right? Getting up and running, that's the easy part. Doing it every day, that's the hard part. And that's how I feel about, about that. Is when you're talking about persistence and motivation, it, it, it doesn't just happen. You have to work on it. It's a, as much as a mindset as it is a skill set as well. Dude, it is. And it's not something that you can really teach. I don't think it's something that that person has got to want. Yeah. And I think it's earned too. It's earned through practice and repetition. Mm -hmm. You don't just have motivation. You don't just have sticking to a schedule. You don't just have uh, like, you know, taking a photo every day. It sounds very easy, but it's that repetition and you're going to fail but the idea is you have to try one more time than you fail. And that's that persistence and that mindset and creating, you know, habits are things that we fall into goals and skills are things that we build. And when you're talking about photography, photography is not a habit. It is a skill, music, drawing, painting, singing. That is a skill. It's not a habit. And that's the fine line hitting the snooze button in the morning. That's a habit, right? Uh, Getting really upset and having a smoke afterwards, that's a habit. Yeah. Skills take effort and practice. And I think that's the hard thing is 
Oh, a yeah. lot of people think that you just kind of fall into those things or that you're born with that mindset. You actually have to build it and work on it. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know. I had my habit. My habit was alcohol. <laughs> my skill that I built was, you know, the art that I make now. But it's and you're right. Habits are things we fall into because I didn't fall into photography. I fell into drinking. Yeah. It's a it's a big thing. Man, we're at an hour and 42 minutes. Yeah. I, dude, I couldn't thank you more for this. This has actually probably been, once we started going, about 10 minutes into this, turned into one of my favorite podcasts I've done yet. That's because it was all about you, you narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> of well, course you liked it so much. No, it just flowed so well. It was really natural. Because I... Honestly, because I knew you were coming here with questions for me. I was like, oh, shit, I'm put in the spotlight now. Now I got to answer things, which I don't have a problem with, but it puts a little pressure. So I thought it was going to be a lot harder than it was than you made it. So maybe you should think about doing a podcast. Everyone's got a podcast. I'll just hop on here (laughs) talk about shitty movies and And cool people. And go from there. Well, thanks, Alex. I uh, hope you have safe travels back to Nebraska um, when you head out Friday. Is yep. that when you're out of here? I need to get back out to Nebraska. No, you don't. <laughs> well, I got to see you again. Or are you just going to come back to Utah? You're like, don't come back. Don't come yeah, to fucking Nebraska. Nebraska. <laughs> it was when I traveled across uh, country, it was my least favorite state we went through. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's like an ear of corn. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we'll catch you guys all on the next one. Be safe. And remember, be happy, humble, and humorous.